Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. Today we continue our series, The Venture and Victory of Faith, from the book of Joshua, with chapters 4 and 5, where we find Joshua and the nation preparing for battle to conquer the land God had given them. U.S. President Eisenhower, in opening remarks to a National Defense Conference in 1957, said he heard a statement in the Army that, Plans are worthless, but planning is everything. He explained, There is a very great distinction because when you are planning for an emergency, you must start with this one thing. The very definition of emergency is that it is unexpected. Therefore, it is not going to happen the way you are planning. We can identify with that, can't we? He went on to encourage the military leaders at the conference to keep themselves steeped in the character of the problem that they may one day be called upon to solve. It is imperative for the military to get ready and be ready for battle. It was important for Israel to get ready for battle to conquer the land now that they had crossed the Jordan River. That is where we pick it up today. Israel in the land by God's direct, miraculous, gracious, stopping the flood stage Jordan River and giving them a dry riverbed to walk across. They camped at a place they called Gilgal, just a short distance from Jericho. Gilgal. The word comes from a term meaning to roll. In chapter 5 we read, Now when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they recovered. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal became their base for the initial period in the land. From here they would move out to take Jericho and then on to subdue the central and southern parts of Canaan. So it was time to get ready for battle. We also need to get ready for battle. Our battle is a spiritual battle. It rages every day, when we realize it and when we don't. As the Apostle Paul wrote, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan and his forces are always prowling around like roaring lions, attacking and seeking to destroy the people and work of God. And so we are to always be alert, always be ready for battle. Joshua chapters 4 and 5 give us three R's for getting ready for battle. First, remember. Remember what God has done. Then, renew. Renew your commitment to God. Finally, relinquish. Relinquish control to God. To be ready for our spiritual battles, we need to remember what God has done for us. 
Joshua followed God's instructions and made sure the people would remember what God had just done for them so they could cross the Jordan River. Twelve men, one from each tribe, went to the center of the riverbed and picked up a stone. These stones were set up at Gilgal as a visual reminder of God's miracle of stopping the Jordan River and drawing the riverbed so the people could cross. Joshua records the reason for this twice in chapter 4. Look at the second one, beginning at verse 21. And he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. When God freed them from slavery in Egypt, Moses told the people, Remember this day in which you departed from Egypt, from the house of slavery. For by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing with yeast shall be eaten. And again, you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Yes, be sure to remember this, and remember it well. So now they were also to always remember this great work of God for them at the Jordan River. God's people in all times are to practice this principle. The writer of Psalm 77 declared, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I will certainly remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and on your deeds with thanksgiving. Psalm 105 directs us, Remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels, and the judgments spoken by his mouth. Question. Do you remember? Are you diligent to remember what God has done for you, his great grace to you? We can begin with Jesus saving us. Paul instructed Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel. Remember that prior to being saved, as Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the people of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Remember also, Paul wrote in the same chapter, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We can reply, of course I remember that God saved me. 
But do we carefully, regularly think about what it means? And thank God for this grace of immeasurable and everlasting importance. And our remembering needs to go on from there. For example, not only has God saved us and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, He also blesses us in every aspect of our lives every day, regardless of the situations or circumstances. How well do you remember what God did for you this last week, month, or year? Then, too, think about what your relationship to Christ means. For example, think of just a few points. Remember that we are servants of Christ because we were created or recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. That is, to carry out the good works God has prepared for us. And so that is how we are to see ourselves and how we are to live in order to glorify God and also so others will see us this way. Remember, too, that God does not leave you on your own to do this, that you are to do all the things through Christ who strengthens you, who works with his power in you to do far more abundantly beyond all that you ask or think. Then remember Jesus' words in John's Gospel, chapter 15. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they will follow yours also. And this is just the beginning. But, we can ask, why remember? What's the big deal? Think about Israel. Part of God's earlier instructions to Israel through Moses were, You shall consume all the peoples whom the Lord your God will turn over to you. Your eye shall not pity them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. If you say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You are not to be afraid of them. You shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders, and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Remembering what God has done would help them see and believe what God would do in the future. Just as God sent the plagues on Egypt, dried up the Red Sea and the Jordan River, he would defeat their enemies. Then, too, it would also remind them that God's work for them impacted their enemies. Look at verse 23 here in Joshua chapter 4. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, and that there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. Remembering led them to continue to trust God, knowing that their enemies also had seen and were affected by God's great power. Along with these positives that come with remembering what God has done for them are negatives for not remembering. Psalm 106 recounts, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Because they did not actively remember and live accordingly, they rebelled against God. We know the results of Israel rebelling against God as recorded in Numbers chapter 13. The nation would wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation from 20 years and up at the time of the Exodus all died, all except Joshua and Caleb who remembered and so obeyed God. Not remembering what God has done for us can and will lead to not trusting Him, to rebelling against Him. We too can face God's discipline for rebelling against Him, as we read in Proverbs chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 12. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, or loathe His rebuke. For whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. And so, again, we need to remember what God has done for us in the past. It will help us see and believe what God will do for us today and in the future. It will help us understand that God displays His power to us and also to His and our enemies. It will help us to keep trusting Him and not rebel against Him. As we remember what God has done, we then also need to renew our commitment to Him. This is an ongoing need, not limited to times when we have lost our focus or sense a special working of God in our hearts. We have two examples of Israel renewing their commitment in chapter 5. First, their commitment to obey God in circumcision. Chapter 5, verse 5 tells us, For all the people who came out, that is, out of Egypt in the Exodus, were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. That is made clear again in verse 7. Let's back up to the founding of the nation and God's covenant with them. In Genesis chapter 17, we read in verse 1, Now when Abram was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you 
and I will multiply you exceedingly. And God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. God established circumcision as a responsibility and sign of the covenant. Why didn't Israel practice circumcision during the 40 years from Egypt to Canaan? The simple, best, and only certain answer is that we don't know. God does not tell us why. What we do know is that circumcision was commanded by God for Israel. If they were to enter and conquer the land God promised Abraham in the covenant, if they were to be faithful people of God, if they were to be a lighthouse of God's truth and grace to the nations, they must be obedient. If we are to be victorious in our spiritual battles, we must continually renew our commitment of obedience to God. We are not saved by acts of obedience any more than any person in Israel was saved by circumcision. But to have spiritual victory and be fruitful, we must be obedient. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word. In chapter 15, he talked about being fruitful by abiding in him. Then in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and remain in his love. To experience victory, we must be obedient, and, as Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 6, Put on the full armor of God, all the spiritual resources that God gives us. To be victorious in our spiritual battles, we must continually renew our commitment of obedience to God. Then also God called Israel to renew their commitment of worship. Go to verse 10 here in Joshua chapter 5. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. Then on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and roasted grain. We know that God instituted the Passover as he prepared to free Israel from slavery in Egypt. God's last plague on Egypt was striking dead their firstborn. God passed over the homes of Israelites who were obedient, who put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes. He told them, You shall keep this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. And so it became and was part of their worship. Unlike circumcision, Israel had celebrated the Passover in the wilderness, but now they were in the land. The time had come for Passover. 
even with all the concentration and busyness of preparing to enter battle and take the land, they paused to observe the Passover, to worship. Worship is a believer's active response to God, to who he is, what he does, and to his call to worship him. It is declaring God's supreme worth as best as we can grasp and express it. It is honoring, praising, and glorifying him. It is a private and public, personal and corporate experience. It is in spirit and truth. We must renew and engage our commitment to worship God in order to experience victory in our spiritual battles. In getting ready for our spiritual battle, we need to remember what God has done, to renew our commitment to Him, and also relinquish control to Him. This can be deceptively difficult to do. As Joshua prepared to lead the armies of Israel into battle, God reminded him, made clear to him that he, not Joshua, is the captain, the commander leading the battle. Drop down to verse 13 in chapter 5. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? He said, No. Rather, I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the ground and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? It is clear that at first Joshua did not know who this man was. So we can understand his question. Whose side are you on? Are you for us or against us? Are you friend or foe? But as the one coming as captain of the army of the Lord identified himself, Joshua began to understand. This was no mere man or angel, but God himself appearing because, as with Moses' experience at the burning bush, the ground around him is holy. We read, starting in the middle of verse 14, And Joshua fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It seems to be God the Son who appeared as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. If the opening verses of chapter 6 flow directly from and are part of this encounter, that also underscores that this commander is God. We read there, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, and no one came in. But the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have handed Jericho over to you, with its king and the valiant warriors. And then God gives more details. 
God makes it clear that he is the captain, the commander, that he is in charge. The question is not whether he is on Israel's side or not, but whether Joshua and the people will be on his side. That was the only way they would or could have victory. Don't miss this. The question is not whether he is on Israel's side or not, but whether Joshua and the people will be on his side. Joshua immediately and humbly declared his willingness to relinquish control, to follow and serve God. The same question God put to Joshua, he puts to us, and puts to us every day. Are you on my side? A hymn begins with the question, Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? The answer comes, By thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. As you begin and go through each day, each situation, each challenge, opportunity, and temptation, are you on God's side? Earlier I said that relinquishing control to God can be deceptively difficult to do. We can say with James, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that more easily than we can live it. In the best, worst, and routine times, in great confidence and intense insecurity, it can be difficult to truly turn over all direction and control to God. We may never arrogantly proclaim, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, as one man did, but we can live that way. Think about it. Did you consciously, in your heart, fall on your face before God and relinquish control to Him in all the days and situations of this last week? Are there some specific issues, desires, risks, problems, or dreams that are not out of the clutches of your own control? You may want something very deeply. You may fear what God might or might not do. You may not want to pay the price. You may not think it is all that important. To experience spiritual victory, you and I must relinquish control to God. While you do and will walk through deeply difficult times, including the valley of the shadow of death, God's purpose and promised conclusion is for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Through all the joys and sorrows, he will cause all things to work together for good so that you are not only called and justified, but also glorified with him forever. With this being so, as Paul continued, if God is for us, who is or who can be against us? What a difference it makes when we know and trust this. So choose to live in the freedom and victory of relinquishing control to God. Truly declare the last line of that hymn. By thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side.
Savior, we are thine. As Israel stood on the edge of the battles to take the land, as you and I stand on the edge of this moment, the rest of the day, and the week ahead, God says, get ready for battle. Be ready for battle. I am sure that none of us want to be defeated spiritually. I am sure that none of us want to sin and rebel against God by not understanding and remembering His works of grace. I am sure that none of us want to be carelessly uncommitted and disobedient to God. I am sure that none of us want to arrogantly refuse to relinquish control to God. So, let each of us now decide to live by these three R's for getting ready for battle. Remember what God has done. Renew your commitment to God. Relinquish control to God. Ask God by the Holy Spirit to examine and bring to light His goodness and grace to you, your faithfulness and lack of faithfulness to Him. Bow with me in prayer. God, our almighty, merciful Father, thank you for this truth, not just about and for Joshua and Israel so long ago, but this truth for us, how we can get ready, be prepared for the spiritual battle we face each day. We confess that we have not always remembered what you have done for us. We have not always renewed our commitment to you have not always relinquished control to you. Forgive us. We ask that the Holy Spirit will ingrain these truths deeply within us and prompt us to do them each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.